can celebrate the coming of Emmanuel, God. We live in a time where we no longer have to look forward to his coming, but we live in a time where he has come. We celebrate that. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Good morning and welcome again. My name is Craig Thompson, and I am one of the other pastors here, and it is our joy... Uh, joy to have you with us this morning as we have gathered to certainly celebrate Emmanuel. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 6 this morning. I lied to you, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 7. I'm sorry. We're going to begin reading in verse... I really don't even remember what, what I printed in the bulletin, but we're going, to, we're going to actually begin reading verse 10 and go all the way through 17. I think I've got 14 through 17. 14 through 17 is where we're going to focus, but we're going to begin in verse 10. As you're turning, a couple of things. We do have a, a business meeting um, right after service this morning, so uh, we'll conclude the service. If you're a guest with us, we greet you on the way out the door. I'm sure you don't want to hang around for that. Uh, but we do have to approve our church budget. Tonight, our cantata that uh, adults and children alike have worked diligently on for the past few months at 6 o'clock. Please, please come and enjoy that. It should be a wonderful time just to, to really be ushered into uh, the presence of the Lord here at the Christmas season. Um, and then this Wednesday, something that we've done every year for the past several years now, uh, we're going to be Christmas caroling out at um, Steeplechase Apartments. Uh, in place of our Wednesday evening service. So I uh, would love for you to come out and be a part of that with us. Uh, we'll go out, and if you can't sing, that's fine. You can just sort of mumble along or just try and smile real big. Um, but we'll go and just try and spread the love of Jesus uh, there in, in that apartment complex. We'll take some coffee and some cookies, uh, pray with folks, and, and attempt to share the gospel. So uh, we'd love for you to come out and be a part of that with us um, on Wednesday night at 6.30. All right, hopefully you've turned by now to... Isaiah chapter 7, please stand with me in honor of God's word. Hear now, for this is the word of the Lord. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and to choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land, will, uh, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria." Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd give us understanding and insight. Lord, as we have sang about Emmanuel, I pray that, Father, here at Christmas, we would take joy in the God who is with us. Father, be with us in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. I tried to get Kevin to let me sing that as a solo this morning. He doesn't trust me. I'm telling you, there are about three songs in all of our catalog that fall right within my range, and that's one of them, and you missed the opportunity, Kevin. Um, you all missed a blessing, I'd just like to say. Um, but uh, incredible thing about that song, probably the oldest Christmas, Christmas song that we sing. Um, it was originally 
written in Latin. It was discovered and then translated into English. Uh, because it was sort of discovered in, in an old Latin text, we, we're not sure, but possibly dates all the way back to the 12th century. Um, the reason for, those, for both of you in here that noticed um, that uh, the song is spelled with an E and in your Bibles and in the sermon it's spelled with an I is because the song was originally written in Latin. And uh, in, in the Latin, they just maintained the Latin version of that word as opposed to translating it from Greek and from the Hebrew and the Greek. And in your, in your Bibles, it's translated with an I. But what is Emmanuel? Why Emmanuel? Because the great hope, the great need that we have in all the world is that God would not just be far off, but that he would be right here with us. I love I love hero movies. I like them. I don't like tragedies. I, I do like some romantic comedies. I'm kind of ashamed to say it, but it's true. But I love hero movies. Um, but, you know, when we, read, when we watch a hero movie or we read a hero book, they never say, I'm going to send somebody. What do they say? Liam Neeson didn't tell his daughter, I'm going to send somebody to come get you. What did he say? He said, I will come get you. That's why we get so excited, isn't it? That's what, man, that's because deep down we all think we could be the hero. Can I tell you that the hero of this book is none other than the God of the universe who clothed himself in flesh and came down and dwelt among us. But he didn't just live among us. He lived perfectly among us and then gave his life as the perfect substitute for our sins so that we might be saved. The great need we have is not only for a God to tell us, but for a God who would come as the Savior. He is the hero of this book. He is Emmanuel, and he has come that we may have life. Now, this passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 7 is one that we read at Christmas, and most of you don't, don't come across this passage except at Christmas or maybe once a year when you go through your yearly Bible reading. And when you read through this, it's, it's easy for us to miss a great deal of the historical background surrounding it and to sort of pass over this. We read it and we go, sweet! I start in verse 10 this morning because if we start in verse 14, I want you to re- listen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Yes, this is so exciting. Behold, the virgin will conceive. And bear a son, he shall call his name Emmanuel. We read that and we go, that is the nicest, most awesome thing that's ever happened. But if we start all the way back in verse 10, we're told that the Lord was speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the king named Ahaz. And if you know a little bit about God's word, you know that Ahaz was a evil, an evil and despicable king. As a matter of fact, so despicable was he that he followed not only some of the pagan practices of the nations around him, according to 2 Kings 16.3, he even offered his own son as a sacrifice. And it is this man to whom this incredible promise is given. But when the promise was given to Ahaz, it wasn't given as an encouraging promise. It was given as a slap in the face, a rebuke, a retort. You see, what was happening, Ahaz as the king of Judah was facing an invasion by Israel and Syria. And Ahaz was terrified. Now, listen, I don't know if you know a little bit about what happens to even very pagan people when life gets really hard. We often see people turn to advice 
from the church or from the Lord. I see this happen. I was at lunch with, with somebody just this week and talking about how sometimes at hard places in life, people tend to turn to the Lord. Folks, the unfortunate thing, and I, I say this as a warning to you to not wait. The unfortunate thing is many people turn to the Lord in an instant when life gets hard, but as soon as things begin to level back out, they're done. In other words, they want the comfort, but they don't want the obedience. Well, the Bible helps us to understand that Ahaz is facing a serious crisis. And in the midst of that, this pagan king is confronted by Isaiah the prophet. And folks, when Isaiah speaks, you kind of want to listen. This guy knows a couple of things. You'll recall that in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. The Bible teaches us there in the beginning of chapter 7 that Isaiah confronted and the Lord was encouraging Isaiah in verse 3, go out to meet him. Look, this is a bad dude. And the Lord says, go on, Isaiah. You and your son. (laughs) Whoa, God. I mean, it's one thing for me to go, but do I really have to take my buddy Sheer Jashub? It's a great name, isn't it? Wyatt thanks me every day that I didn't name him Sheer Jashub. Maybe we should, never mind. Sheer Jashub means a, a remnant shall return. It's pretty important. Why did God say take him? Here's the object lesson. You take him with you. But God says, I don't want you to be afraid. He says, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, the fierce anger of resin and Syria. So he says to Isaiah, go, but Isaiah is supposed to say to Ahaz, you don't need to worry. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Ahaz is like, I don't know if you looked around, but things are kind of bad. Isaiah gives a prophecy, all these things won't happen. Here's what you need to know, Ahaz. God has decided that this is not going to happen. You don't need to go and ally yourself with Assyria. If you would just trust the Lord, he's going to make everything okay. Listen to me. Some of you need to hear this today. Trust the Lord. You don't need to go and find alliances with Assyria. You don't need to go find alliances with all these other things. Will you just trust Jesus? He can make it okay. Well, the Bible says, as we continue to move forward, that Isaiah gives this great prophecy. But then the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Now, this is pretty awesome. The Lord spoke to Ahaz. How did the Lord speak to Ahaz? Ask a sign of the Lord. Let it be as deep as Sheol. But yet, Isaiah's right there. Interesting. Y'all, when you're looking for a word from the Lord, be careful, because the Lord tends to speak through his people right here. The prophets, they speak, they scream to us. Ahaz, this ungodly man, is still the Lord has a word for him. Did you show up here today and you've had no relationship with the Lord? Did you show up here today and you say, there's no way that God would have anything to do with me because I know who I am. This this evil king who had done every detestable practice still heard a word of warning from the Lord because God was not finished. You know that God's not finished with you while there is breath, there is hope. Lord spoke, ask a sign. The Bible says that 
Ahaz says, I will not put the Lord to the test. Now, folks, we're going to jump into our outline here in just a minute, but I I want us to live right here for just a moment. See, if I hadn't given you all the background about King Ahaz, if I had just told you that this man said, I will not put the Lord my God to the test, it would be really tempting for us to go, now that is a man with an incredible, powerful faith and trust in the Lord. Folks, do you understand that we need to look past the surface when we're seeking to speak to people about the Lord? We need to look past the Facebook posts when we're praying for people. And for goodness sakes, listen to me. If it's a celebrity that thanks God, you need to look past the thanking of God to everything else going on in their life. I can see this right now in the Christian bookstore. King Ahaz. Beautiful wooden sign in farmhouse decor. I will not put the Lord my God to the test. Ahaz. And it's flying off the shelf. Man, go be like Ahaz. No, don't be like Ahaz. You lost your mind. Why didn't Ahaz want to put the Lord to the test? Because here's why. Ahaz says, I am not listening to what he has to say. He couches his arrogance and his pride in good godly terms. This would be fun. I won't do this. But wouldn't it be fun if I said, hey, raise your hand if you've ever been good enough to hide your sin in good godly language? How many of you? Yeah, we've all... If you've been in the church long enough, you've been able to do that, haven't you? If you? Especially if you grew up in the church. Folks, if you grew up in the church, you can have this place convinced that you walk on water on Sunday mornings when all the while you're living like hell every other minute of the week. Because we'll say good things like, well, if the Lord wills. Ahaz has really good, godly language, but he doesn't have a really godly life. This is what James is talking about when he says that it's not just a faith, but a faith with deeds. Not that your works save you, but your works give evidence to the salvation in your life. If you talk a good game, what if Ahaz says, well, I was baptized... He wouldn't say that, but what would he say? Ahaz, do you you know the Lord? I was circumcised on the eighth day. That sealed the deal. He's a child of God. No, this is a man who lives like sin all of the time. And when God speaks... In verse 14, therefore, the, the therefore, what is it therefore? The therefore is there because Ahaz has refused to be obedient to the Lord. Okay, let's back it back up. Okay, the Lord spoke and said, ask a sign. See, I will not put the Lord my God to the test. Sounds really good. Unless you go all the way back to verse 10 where it says, the Lord said, ask a sign. Folks, listen to me. And this is our first point. There is hope beyond your wisdom because the wisdom of man does not stand up against the wisdom of God. Ahaz was not godly for not putting the Lord to the test when it was God himself who said, put me to the test. God said it. Ask for a sign and I'll give it. Ahaz says, no, I don't think so. God, let me explain this to you. I'm not going to do that. 
Do you know what Ahaz was doing in that moment? Living in active rebellion and disobedience to the Lord. So what is the therefore, therefore? The therefore is there because God says, since you won't ask, I'm going to give you one anyway. Folks, look here. Don't wait for the Lord to give you what you need anyway. Go to the Lord and ask. What does he say? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall name his, call his name Emmanuel. Now, folks, this finds its ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. But if what would, how does this find fulfillment in Ahaz's life in that moment? He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Now, how does this find immediate uh, application in Ahaz's life? There's a young woman that's going to be to conceive a child. Perhaps this would be Ahaz's child in that moment. And that young woman is going to have a child. And here's what God says to Ahaz. You're selling your soul to Assyria. Don't do it because before that child knows even how to choose right and wrong. Syria and Israel will be no more. Call his name Emmanuel. What? God with us. Because Ahaz, I am with you if you will but listen. But Ahaz says, no, no. God with me is not enough. I need Assyria with me. Folks, one of the great hopes of Christmas is a reminder that God is with us. There is hope beyond your wisdom. There's a greater hope than your wisdom. There is a hope that is in the wisdom of God. God with us. God with us. Folks, do you understand that in our wildest imaginations, we couldn't come up with something as incredible as God being with us. And yet, that's the promise that he gives. In Ahaz's greatest imagination, he couldn't envision that God himself would be with him. And yet, the promise that he receives from Isaiah is, Ahaz, God will be with you if you will but turn. And Ahaz says, no. Listen to me today. God stands ready with arms wide open to embrace you and walk with you if you will but trust him today. Don't rely on your own wisdom. Lean not upon your own wisdom. Instead, what? Cast yourself upon the Lord. For in him there is hope. Why, Emmanuel? Because there is hope beyond your wisdom. The second thing this morning, there is hope for liberation. Again, the need and the immediate was for Judah to be rescued from Israel and Syria. They needed to be set free. And Isaiah says, you can't do this on your own. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Isaiah says you can't reach out for all the help in this world you need more but he says but listen it's already done if you will but trust folks why Emmanuel because we all need to be liberated we need to be liberated we need to be set free from the chains that bind us what are those chains the chains of sin the chains of pain the chains of hurt we need to be set free we need to be set free to experience all that God promised that we could have in the abundant life of Christ. One thing that the prosperity gospel gets really, really wrong, really wrong, 
is that somehow or other, if we just have enough faith, then we can be rich and we can be healthy and, and, and we can have everything we ever wanted. And that, of course, is terribly wrong. But I'm afraid that sometimes, in a fear that we become prosperity preachers, that we neglect to emphasize that in Christ, we do receive all of the riches of heaven. It's all yours. And it's all mine. Jesus did literally promise an abundant life. That's not a distortion of the gospel. Those are the words of Jesus. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. He desires that for you. Folks, that was his, created in, or his intended purpose at creation. Adam and Eve were set in the Garden of Eden with everything in the world, literally, that they could imagine at their disposal. I mean, you think about this. Here you are. I'm going to put you down right here. I'm giving you all the food you can have to eat. You can pet lions. I mean, really and truly, how many of you have sat around and said, man, I wish I could pet a lion, and they got to do that? Like a grown one, not one of those baby-like lion cubs at like some animal park, like a grown lion. Like that, that, that's, some of y'all don't really appreciate this. This is pretty awesome. I mean, they probably could ride a giraffe or something if they really just wanted to. What are the things that you want? You can have it all. What do you want to eat? Here it is. Hey, Adam, I, I tell you what, Adam, I'm going to even let you name the animals. How's that, how's that treat you? Sweet. I've often wondered if by naming the animals that meant he said lion, tiger, bear, if he meant John and Randy and Sue. I don't know. Be kind of cool, right? This is my pet lion, this is my pet tiger, and this is my pet lamb. And they all live with me and nobody fights and nobody eats each other. The abundant life that Christ promised. Folks, he intends for us to experience joy. Turn with me back to Psalm 1. I hope, that you, I hope you know this verse. I hope you do, and if you don't, underline it, circle it. I can't encourage you to dog ear the pages in your Bible, but if you're into that kind of thing, you can do that. I'm not. It makes me uncomfortable. Psalm 1, 1, blessed is the man, happy, joyful is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This is God's desire for you. There is hope for liberation. There is hope for you to be set free. Folks, we're not supposed to be weighed down by the burdens of this world. We're not supposed to be carried away by depression and sadness and hurt and heartache. He died to set us free. Listen to me. He even died to set you free. God with us. The God who is with you. Emmanuel. He came to set you free. Even from the sins that have been committed against you. Folks, this for me is one of the greatest joys of Christianity. Now, I have lived a privileged life in that I've never had to live up under or endure incredible sin being committed against me. I've never been abused. I've never been neglected. But here's the incredible hope of Jesus. For those of you who have, he didn't just die to forgive you from your sins. He died to set you free from those other things that hold you back. The evil, the pain, the suffering that has been inflicted upon you has no control over you anymore because Jesus has broken every chain. Ahaz, you've been defeated before, but you need not fear, for God is with you. And here at Christmas, we come proclaiming this good news that Christ has set you free.
There's hope beyond your wisdom. There's hope for liberation. Then finally, look at this. There is hope for relationship. God with us. Not just for wisdom. Not just for liberation. But you ready? For relationship. That he is God with us gives us hope for a return to this Edenic relationship. But he's not just a God far off. He's a God beside us. And he desires to be in a relationship with us. We had our family Christmas party. By family, I mean like my extended family. We still, we're one of those crazy families that still gets together with cousins and, and aunts and uncles. And my kids, I, I didn't realize this. They informed me that it's their, like their favorite Christmas tradition. So uh, I guess we're in it for the long haul now. And uh, we drive up, uh, family comes in from, from, uh, from Virginia and, and Charlotte and North Carolina, well I guess Charlotte is in North Carolina, from all over North Carolina and, and of course we, we drive up from here and, and sort of uh, as, as we continue to grow and spread, we still kind of all, all come home and, and, um, and the kids, all, all, the, all the great grandchildren, grandparents are dead and gone, but all the great grandchildren still play. It's fun. There were, there were nine grandchildren, and now there are, I think I counted yesterday, 25, I believe, great-grandchildren that, that range in age, well, I guess 10 grandchildren, range in age from you know, this big to this big. And, and uh, they're, they're, they're all over. But you know, the, great, the greatest joy, because I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get gifts. Well, that's, that's not true. I did get a gift card yesterday, I think, for $5. Um, we, we don't get gifts. The great joy for us anymore as, as an adult is just to go and be there you know to be there to see cousins that I haven't seen in, in a long time to give a hug and to get a hug to, to just enjoy the relationship those relationships now that span generations I get joy of seeing the children as, as they open their gifts I mean they, they, their eyes just explode with joy it's so much fun but for me, it, it, it all pales, all of that pales in comparison to just the relationship there. Just the relationship. The fact that there are people with whom I can be me and I can be real and I can be loved. You know, it doesn't matter what happened all year long. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. When I show up there, there are people that don't care about anything else except for the fact that we share the same blood. We share the same ancestry. We share a name. There's a relationship. And they're not just family far off at that moment. They're a family who have drawn near. We don't keep in close contact throughout the year, but we draw near to one another once or twice a year and we enjoy the presence, the relationship. And in Christ, there is hope for a relationship. I want you to consider evil King Ahaz who says to Assyria, I need you to help me. And Isaiah says, no, you don't need that kind of Savior who is far off with a stick. You need a God who will draw near. Because when he draws near, he doesn't just save you. He doesn't just liberate you and rescue you. He enters into a relationship with you. God with us. What a joy is it to have God with you. God in your presence. God as your friend. 
O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Oh, if that's all he ever did was ransom his people, what a privilege, what a joy. But the unspeakable joy of knowing that that one who could ransom us is the one who would enter into a relationship with us really defies imagination. This week, so at, at, uh, at our kids' elementary school, they've, they've started a program. They're trying to get dads more involved. And it's good. Several of the elementary schools in the district are doing this, and you can go and, and volunteer all day. And uh, as, as pastor, it's, it's fun because I don't just have my three kids there. I got all your kids there. And so, um, I mean, I, 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 I think that every kid that we have at Camden Elementary School, I saw on Thursday. I, at least I tried. Every, every time I was in the cafeteria, I looked carefully to make sure that I saw all of ours and, and, and gave some, some one-on-one attention. But boy, there's, there's an incredible thing. There's, there's, still, there's, there's, there's this neat opportunity when your kids are still like happy that you're their dad, right? Yeah, y'all know. Some of you know. And sometimes that can, sometimes that can go and come on the same day, right? It's, it's, it's all situational, Sometimes they're thrilled to death to see you one minute, but terrified to see you the next. But there, there, there is an incredible joy when my children want to see me. It's, it's, it's awesome. The little ones is still pretty cool, you know, but I mean, when the bigger ones still like to see you, that's good. Aubrey's not in here, so I'll just rat her out. So, so I was at the school on, on Thursday, and Aubrey's, she's just growing so much. Don't y'all, don't y'all tell her I talked about her. She'll be mad at me for weeks. But she's growing so much, and as, as, our, little girls, as our little girls mature, the, sometimes that, that relationship with Dad, they don't necessarily like to see him in public. You know, it's, it's hey, Dad, I love you. Now go away, right? But uh, for whatever reason, on Thursday, man, she was proud I was her dad. Man, I was just, man, I was like this, you know? Right? I, I, wasn't, just, I, wasn't, just the, the, I wasn't just the bank. <laughs> I wasn't just the checkbook, right? I, I, I wasn't just a protector. I wasn't this... The Savior, right? I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't just wisdom for her. I wasn't just a, a homework helper. I sat down beside her at lunch, and she laid her head on my shoulder, and I said, winning! Yes! I look around, and I wanted to stand up in that cafeteria and look at everybody and say, y'all are losing, and I'm winning today. Because my 10-year-old just showed affection to me in public. I want to look at her teachers and go, see, see, right here. I didn't. I took it like a man. I said, hey, honey. Because if I'd gone any further, I'd have ruined it. But there's hope for boy, that relationship with our children, right? I mean, everything else that we do, we find joy in. But there's no greater joy than the relationship. When they run up and they jump up in your arms, again, they're fleeting. It doesn't happen all the time. That's, that's why some of you who are so many years ahead of me say enjoy these moments. Because you know what I'm having a hard time imagining. That the day is going to come and I'm going to wake up to an empty house and there's going to be nobody that wants to lay their head on my shoulder. I mean, I get it. It's the relationship. It's a privilege. And here at Christmas, our greatest hope is wrapped up in the name Emmanuel. He is God with us. 
who has come to set his people free, to give us great wisdom that we couldn't even fathom. But most incredibly, to enter into a relationship with us, to be known by us. Last story for the day. Yesterday was a big day for us. We had a big family Christmas thing, and then we had to leave one county and drive two counties over to a wedding. Um, and uh, we, we were in the car a whole lot yesterday. And, and uh, so we, we, we show up at this wedding, and, um, uh, and, and, and one, of, one, of our fa- one of Angela's family members uh, walks up, and, and I was speaking to him, and this, this girl walks up. And he says, and, and this, is, this is so-and-so, this is Anna. And I said, oh, so you're with, with him? <laughs> she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, she claims me. Y'all, I've never been so surprised in all my life. Because look, trust me, he has outkicked his coverage by a long, long way. I looked over at Angela and said, he better hurry up and put a ring on this girl's finger before she wises up. She, she's, she wants to be known, like she's not embarrassed or ashamed. She said, I'm with him. She's proud about it. You know, that's the kind of relationship you have with Jesus. How many of you, how many of you have had this happen since you came to know the Lord? You meet somebody that you went to high school with, and you begin to try and talk to them. But can I pray with you? And they look at you like you're crazy. What? What? what, do you, what do you, pray? What? You say, well, you know, I've, I've got this relationship with the Lord. And they're very confused because all they knew was like you 20 years ago and you today doesn't match somebody that loves Jesus. And they go, what? Do you know that if Jesus stood right beside you, and he does, because he is God with you, you ready for this? Watch. He wouldn't be turning his back and walking away. He wouldn't wouldn't be trying to explain that relationship. It would be like the situation of the woman at the well. The Samaritan woman whose life was all messed up. She had lived in, in, in sin and, and, and probably been sinned against in ways that we can't even fathom. And when she meets Jesus, Jesus didn't give like a letter that says, well, explain how I know you and then take this to people. He said, just tell me you met Jesus. Go proclaim the good news. See, when you meet those folks and you say, this is my friend Jesus, you know what he says? That's right. My child, I am God with him. I am God with her. And I have come that they can have life to the full. And then you have the opportunity to introduce somebody. This is my friend Jesus. One of the dangers of Oh Come, Oh Come, Emmanuel, which is one of my favorite Christmas songs, is that it's so old and big. It's a transcendent hymn. It's usually done with a pipe organ. And those pipes begin to blare, and you can feel them rumble. And you begin to think only of a God who's far off. See, the music doesn't fit the song. Oh Come, Oh Come, Emmanuel. Not a God who's far off, but a God who's right here. And he loves you. And he longs to not just give you wisdom, to not just set you free, but to be introduced. This is my Savior. 
my friend. This morning, that word may come as a word of hope and encouragement. For some of you, it comes as a word of rebuke, as it did for Ahaz. You've leaned too long on your own wisdom, and today needs to be the day. Therefore, the Son has come, and His name is Emmanuel. But for some of you today, you need to hear that as a hug. As a word of joy and hope. You've been set free. He's not embarrassed of you. He's not ashamed of you. You can bear his name everywhere you go. He has spoken love over you. Would you come today and receive all that Jesus has? Would you? Would you come today and be loved by the king of the universe? Lean not on your own understanding, but a trust. Not only in the wisdom, not only in the knowledge, but in the love of a God who died to set you free. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, thank you that Jesus came as God with us. That he lives among us today in the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God, that Jesus is even now interceding at the right hand of the Father. That's my child. That's my brother. That's my friend. What a privilege. What a joy. What a Savior. Emmanuel, in whose name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us and sing?